You're listening to Yap, Young and Profiting Podcast, a place where you can listen, learn, and profit. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Hala Taha, and on Young and Profiting Podcast, we investigate a new topic each week and interview some of the brightest minds in the world. My goal is to turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your everyday life, no matter your age, profession, or industry. There's no fluff on this podcast, and that's on purpose. I'm here to uncover value from my guests by doing the proper research and asking the right questions. If you're new to the show, we've chatted with the likes of ex-FBI agents, real estate moguls, self-made billionaires, CEOs, and best-selling authors. Our subject matter ranges from enhancing productivity, how to gain influence, the art of entrepreneurship, and more. If you're smart and like to continually improve yourself, hit the subscribe button because you'll love it here at Young and Profiting Podcast. Welcome, everybody. You guys are tuning into a Yap Live event. This is recorded for Young and Profiting Podcast. It's a frequently trending number one education podcast. Today, we are number two, to be exact. And like I said, this is going to be recorded for my podcast. The topic is the rise of Clubhouse. This is part one of two. Part one is going to be focusing on navigating the drop-in audio space and growing your influence. And when it comes to Clubhouse, there are hundreds of apps and new platforms that are trying to grab our attention. Most of these apps, they fail They have a short lifespan, but the few that do survive, they usually grow exponentially fast, like TikTok and now Clubhouse. And that's where we're here today gathered. If you guys are listening on the podcast, we're all here gathered on Clubhouse today. Clubhouse is a $1 billion valuation. It is officially a unicorn startup. It's joining the ranks of Uber and Airbnb. It launched a year ago. And as of February this year, it had 10 million downloads and 2 million weekly active users. That's up from 600,000 weekly active users in December. So that growth is insane. And right now the app is only open to iOS users. And so it's no wonder why Clubhouse is all the rage in the tech world. In fact, 180 organizations and venture capitalists have invested in the app to date. And it's also reported that the app only has nine employees. So it goes to show you what a phenomenon this app is. This Clubhouse app is all the rage right now. And that's why I've invited all of these rock stars here today. They're influential moderators. They're influencers on social media. They're former MySpace and social media executives and club owners. So we've got an amazing panel here today, and this is going to be an awesome part one session. It's going to be about growing your influence and how to navigate this drop-in audio space. So the way this is going to work is that this first hour, I'm going to have a guided session with all of these clubhouse experts. These are people who have grown their own clubs in their niches. These are people who are known to be the best moderators on the platform. Lots of familiar faces here. If you're in the audience, you probably know a lot of the people here on stage. And so we're going to have a guided discussion because there's so much value for these folks to share. And then the last 20 minutes, we're going to have an open Q&A. So if you want to be brought up for open Q&A, what I want you to do is raise your hand early and then write your question at the top of your bio. If you write your question at the top of your bio, Caroline here, who's on my team and also going to be on the panel because she's an amazing clubhouse expert, is going to be reading through those questions. And then we're going to select three people to ask your question. And that question will be replayed on my podcast to our 200,000 subscribers. So it's a great opportunity for anybody who wants to get involved. If you have a question for this awesome panel, make sure you raise your hand. 
So I'm gonna go through now and introduce this awesome panel. We have Mario Armstrong. He is an Emmy award-winning media entrepreneur, a tech expert and on-air personality who is regularly on the NBC Today show. We have Steve Ulsher. He has created several multi-million dollar companies from scratch and he's currently the founder and editor-in-chief of Podcast Magazine. We have Suhaib Imtiaz, and he is the founder of the largest club on Clubhouse, the Human Behavior Club, which is hosting us here today. So shout out to the Human Behavior Club. Make sure you guys follow the club. And he is also a board-certified lifestyle medicine doctor. We have Michael Robinson, known as Mr. Clubhouse. He's an investor, advisor, and strategist and creator of the Founders Guild Mastermind. We have Tanner Chidester. He's an American fitness coach, entrepreneur, and former fashion model. Dimitri Shapiro, he's the CEO of Koji, which is a new Lincoln bio app, and a former Google executive and CTO of MySpace. Joey Hickson, he's a social media producer and mega influencer with over 4 million followers on Instagram. Paulina Groman, she's an amazing moderator and an award-winning global strategic advisor and visionary connector. And Caroline Gerardi, and she is known as the Clubhouse newbie expert. She trains new users on Clubhouse and is a Clubhouse manager at Yap Media. So I think I got everybody here on the panel. We also have Christian. He is a senior data analytics engineer and known as one of the top moderators here on the app. So thank you guys so much for joining us today. And if you guys are getting ready and excited for this conversation, because I know I am, it's not so often we have these many superstars in one room. If you guys are excited for this conversation, make sure you smash that plus sign at the bottom of your screen and ping your friends into this room. It's going to be an amazing conversation. The way it's going to work for the panelists on the stage, if you guys have anything to add to the conversation and you want to be one of the first ones to speak, go ahead and flash your mic one time. I'm going to be closely paying attention to the screen to see who wants to answer the question. And we'll do this uh, that way. We also have a back channel, guys, if you guys want to ask any questions. So we're going to get this started. I want to know who on here was an early adopter. What was Clubhouse like in the early days and how has the app evolved over time? Mario, I know that you were an early adopter, so I'm going to kick this off to you and then anybody else who wants to add, just flash your mic. Sounds great. Uh, Thanks for having me uh, on here, Hala. And thanks to everyone on this panel. Really a pleasure to meet all of you. Um, I got on the app. I don't know if I'm really considered the early, early adopter. So we have to see if other people were earlier than I. I was around November, although for some reason, my bio just got wiped clean. I don't know why. (laughs) So I'll figure that out. But uh, it was November 23rd that I was on. And I know the app started earlier that year, around March, April. But being an early adopter in terms of back then, which was still kind of early, the growth was tremendous, especially during the holidays and especially during this time that we've been in where a lot of people are tuning in to live audio. You don't have to be on video. You don't have to put makeup on or look good. You can actually listen in and still participate in a variety of different ways. And so the app just really took off really, really quick. And there were a lot of connections that were being made with people. And it was another way of actually connecting. People were having Zoom fatigue, video fatigue, and other things. And it was another way for us to connect together and have that shared human experience of what humans really want. We're social beings at the core and having a listening experience that felt like live podcasts that we could collaborate, participate, listen, learn, share, laugh, and be entertained at the same time and get information just seemed to all be a powerful trifecta that happened at that moment. So I remember being early on and I remember being a lot of people being confused as to how to actually use the app effectively. 
Yeah, that's so interesting. You know, I I think I got on the app in January and by then it was kind of like already old news and I was kicking myself that I didn't join earlier. So Suhaib, I know that you actually joined when there was just 5,000 users on the app. So tell us about that. What was it like when you first joined Clubhouse? Yeah, thanks, Hala. Um, So I joined in August, 11th of August. And um, yeah, we were on test flights. So we were around 5,000 users, 10,000 September. No real room titles. It was a few rooms in the hallway. A lot of tech people, a lot of VCs. Everyone's pretty open. You could kind of connect with people instantly. People had their emails and even phone numbers on their bios. Um, so there's a lot of Silicon Valley, mostly California, SF, a bit of LA as well. And it was very driven by tech back then. Um, you had these small rooms. There was no kind of real audience as such. People would just come up and kind of talk on a small stage. You You could jump a few rooms, but really there wasn't much um, apart from just kind of making some genuine connections. So yeah, very different. There was no feature. The features were different as well. There was no clubs back then. You could follow people. They could follow you. So that was the same. Bios were the same. Um, But they've added a lot of features since. So the app has changed tremendously in the last uh, seven, eight months. Yeah, that's, that's, it's so true. It seems like they unlock a new feature every single day. How would you guys describe the audience here on Clubhouse? Does anybody want to take that one? I've been noticing that there's certain audience groups that are really dominating, like venture capitalists, tech, women, to name a few. So in your opinion, Paulina, let's go to you. What do you feel like the audience is like here on the app? I've been an entrepreneur for 21 years from the venture capital world. I've never seen anything like that. To have access to best-selling authors, people from every area of life, is just I've never seen anything like this unless you go to a mastermind that's specifically curated for something. I think it's amazing, but you have to curate your own hallway. You have to be very mindful you know, of who you follow and what discussions you participate in. But I think the audience is amazing. Awesome. Does anybody else want to add in terms of the audience and what they see here on the app? I have to agree, like with Polina, one of the things that I've noticed a lot are younger entrepreneurs, you know, looking to get started and looking to connect with larger influencers, connect with those VCs and, you know, really trying to navigate their way through how they're going to build their audience. So I think that's one of the things that I've seen is people at that very, very early stage of their journey. Amazing. Okay. So let's talk about Clubhouse and its rise of users. Cause I think that this is a really, really interesting topic. So like I mentioned previously, this app in February, it had 10 million downloads and approximately 2 million weekly active users. So let's talk about why Clubhouse is so addictive. I, I think this topic is so interesting. Dimitri, I know you were a former CTO at MySpace and I'm wondering what are the elements that make Clubhouse so addictive and why is it so popular amongst people who like social media? Well, thanks for having me and in calling on me in this. So yeah, look, I, I've been involved with what we call social networking now since uh, 1995. And we didn't call it that then. We called them online communities, message boards, IRC. You know, there have been lots of technologies over the years that have been social, that have connected people together. And my own sort of preference, that's what I fell in love with about the internet, was not the ability to just like sort of find any content you want, but the ability to connect with people. And and like I said, I've worked in it for a long time now. It's this thing. I mean, it's human nature, I guess, is the thing why Clubhouse is succeeding. We are social beings. 
we do want to connect with each other. Voice is obviously very powerful, sitting behind a keyboard and typing, you know, posts and comments lacks sort of fidelity and, and emotion and all those things, by the way, and also leads to sort of extreme misunderstanding, as we've all seen in the past, of like somebody writes something, but they didn't even mean it that way. Their tone was totally different. This voice medium allows people to feel more connected to each other. And, you know, the Clubhouse developers obviously have done an awesome job in sort of creating the right outlines for how this works, meaning hallway, rooms, clubs, you know, users, the social graph. And so we are, (laughs) we, the people who are participating in this, are the magic of Clubhouse. By itself, Clubhouse is just basically this cool voice medium. But the fact that we are choosing to group ourselves into these rooms by topic, choosing the people that we bring up on stage and sort of like, what's the vibe in the room? Because as we all know, the vibe can change dramatically as, you know, depending on who's speaking, like I'm doing here, unfortunately, monopolizing this conversation. So I'll stop, but I'm happy to take more questions as we go on. Caroline, did you have something to add? Uh, Dimitri, thank you so much for bringing that up. It is true clubhouse magic. That is definitely something I love to say in all of my rooms. It is an amazing connector. And uh, exactly what Mario and Paulina said, it just gives you unprecedented access to incredible people here on this app. And not even well-known people, but people all over the world. Like in this room, there could be people from Australia who are up in the middle of the night or early morning. And um, there are people here in from different continents, from every continent even. So I just think it really is truly clubhouse magic that couldn't have come at a better time, especially after 2020 and people being isolating, people being socially distant from their loved ones, from their families, not being able to travel. And now we can travel the world with just a simple app like this. Yeah, I I totally agree. You know, Clubhouse, it's really benefited from the pandemic. I think there's like an increased loneliness, there's diminished social activity. And for me, when, when I joined Clubhouse, I felt like, wow, this is the first time I've had like social interaction and felt like full for a really long time because I'm an extrovert. And I really, really loved being on the app for that reason. Michael, looks like you had something to add. Why do you think Clubhouse is so addictive? I think you really, you said it in the most simple terms. I think it had this app launched at any other time in history, it would have been a different story. But right now, just given the pandemic and the separation of people, I think this is the closest we can possibly feel to being in the same room in the same space with people on a daily basis. And it has definitely become one of those very needed things in our lives. So I would say it's addicting because it's meeting a basic human need. Yeah, I totally agree. Steve, what did you have to say? Thanks for putting this together. Good to see so many of my friends up here on stage. And hopefully you can hear me. I'm I'm a decent spot here. Um, So what I would say is, you know, the reality is, and and I know we're talking about how there's maybe some younger folks on and that, this, that, and the other. And actually, actually I found it to be uh, really a nice combination of of both younger folks as, as well as just some really amazing people who, for all intents and purposes, shouldn't be spending time on an app like this when you look at their resume, right? And so from an addictive standpoint, I think part of why it's become so addictive is because you have really high quality conversations. I mean, you have people that are sharing just absolutely, I mean, with, as, as I call it, with strategic abandon. I mean, they're really not holding anything back. And the ability to learn here 
is what people will pay tens of thousands of dollars for, if not more, in a lot of the masterminds that you see uh, that are available. So I think part of the addictive nature of what you're seeing here is that the content is really good, right? And, and at the end of the day, you can have a video that looks amazing, but the content is shit. Here, you can't do, you can't hide, right? You can't, you can't gloss it over. You can't put lipstick on a pig. People are going to base you on the things that come out of your mouth. And here, there are just some really high-level conversations that are going on. Of course, there are other conversations, but for the most part, um, I will say that people are sticking around because they're getting real value from the conversations. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I've also noticed that I feel like it's really weeding out the people who know what they're talking about versus those who don't, especially when it comes to like social media influencers and those who say they know everything about social media or podcasting. When we have these rooms, you kind of see like who really knows their stuff and who, you know, may have bought their followers or, or it happened by accident. It's very obvious to see who's really knowledgeable and who isn't. So let's hop to Christian and then Suhaib. Yeah, you know, Clubhouse came at a really interesting time. Like I was doing a bunch of like going to colleges, talking about LinkedIn and, you know, really helping uh, college students get a job after college. Because I remember that being a really hard thing for me when I graduated in 2016. So when the pandemic shifted, I went from doing in-person events to doing Zoom stuff. And I always loved doing those. I was so excited to help like, you know, maybe like 20 to 50 students. And then um, I remembered I had just finished a Zoom thing and somebody said, hey, you should check out this thing called Clubhouse. And I was like, ah, that sounds dumb. And I went on it and immediately found saw the value of it. And next thing I know, I'm doing sessions on LinkedIn every single day for like five hours a day. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm helping these people I've never even seen before. I'm finding other people that love LinkedIn like I do and you know, just want to help other people. So for me, Clubhouse was me finding my tribe that I would have otherwise... I, like nobody like In my area, I live in Los Angeles and not that many people care about their personal branding as far as in the tech space because tech is all about you know learning the tools of the trade because that's the hardest part you got to learn python you got to learn sql you got to learn all this stuff but one thing that people fall out on is like hey how do you personally brand yourself and i found my tribe here on clubhouse and so you know how has it changed the way i think like i'm completely addicted now because i used to look forward to like every month like doing a presentation but now i it is democratized <laughs> it's like we are now having conversations at such a rapid rate i'm learning so much i never thought i would know a person at Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google, Intel, you know, Microsoft. And now these people are like my close friends. So the power of Clubhouse. And I feel like because I've I've cultivated this group in this community, I've been able to grow really fast. And you know, I just like what you said earlier, like the smart people rise to the top or the people that know what they're talking about rise to the top. And so I've definitely seen that and I just I love it. It's it's really creating this space of like, okay, the people like the way I see it, like the people that have the most followers. And obviously you can go look up people's following counts on clubhouse.db.com and you can see who's buying bots and whatever. So it's for me, it's like, wow, this person, I'm listening intently and I get to listen to the top leaders. Like yeah, even yesterday, I got to, I literally got to ask the Wall Street Bets guy, what, what ticker should I buy? And then I also talked to Wolf of Wall Street. And like I would have never been able to do that if it wasn't for Clubhouse. So I'm excited for the future, but also damn, we already have all of these other competitors coming out, like literally just today, Discord. 
just said, we're going to get a drop in. And I was just like, okay, let's see it. Let Clubhouse, Paul Rohan, I hope you're listening to this podcast. So you need to start ramping up into gear because I want this to survive. So I know what you mean. It's like me too. I feel like I've already invested so much time, like this better stick, right? I, I'm, I'm with you. So actually, Christian, I want to dive deep into something that you just said. So you just said bots. I was about to counter t- to you and say, you know what? This is one of the only apps where the followers are real. There's no bots, but you just said that there's bots and there's a way to figure out if there's bots. So could you just talk to us a, a little bit about that and, and you know, what's going on with bots in this app? <laughs> <laughs> I love talking about bots just because... So I ran a room. Just The reason why I know there's bots is because I was running one of my rooms and my room went from 500 people to 2,500 in a matter of 30 seconds. And so nowadays... like So now I know the bots came in because they all came in. They all had party hats and they all looked the same. They all had the same name. And some of them, it was scary. Some of them even had photos of people that were on stage. So it was obvious like they weren't people. So on that note... Yes. So people are buying bots. And the way that people are creating bots is you could run a script. You know, For example, if you make an account, you get three invites. That person can go, go now go out and invite three other bots. And so now you just have a long train and now you have an exponential growth of how many bots you can create. So people have been making bots and pretty much people are selling it. People are buying their influence. And you know, there's a list floating around with people that have bought bots. And it's... It's pretty crazy to see those names out there. And you know, you can actually go see it. You could go to, I think it's clubhousedb.com. Let me just verify that right now. And so you can go look up your favorite people and just see if they bought bots. If you see that they have 100,000 new followers in one time, then you'll know that they probably... Or somebody attacked them. That's the, that's the one thing that's really scary about bots is that like you don't know what really happened. So um, yeah, there are bots out there. And... Um, you know, there's ways. And then one of the things that came up is like, all right, how do we use machine learning and AI to find these bots and take them out, right? But in social media, bots are not new. There's been bots for Twitter. There's been bots for everything. You know, people are buying their followers on Instagram and faking it, you know, and selling it to marketing agencies and then getting caught for fraud. So it was just a matter of time for before bots were to come here. So the website is called ClubhouseDB.com, and you can search any person. You could see the last. You could see everybody's follower growth from the last thirty days and around like. March 12th and March 18th, there was a lot of... That's where a lot of the people started buying bots because that's when they went online. So you could double check that. And you know, I could talk about bots all day, but I want to pass the mic back to you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Christian. Super, super interesting stuff. Uh, Steve, let's hop to you and then Dimitri and then back to Suheb. Hey, I just wanted to encourage you guys to do a quick PTR. Um, the good old pull to refresh and you'll see that I updated my image. So um, you tell me, how much do you want, right? I mean, it's like, um, <laughs> just take, take your pick. You know, for the low, low price of X, Y, Z, you can get this, that, and the other. And um, I'll tell you, it's, whether it's visitors in a room, like you could, you could stack this room right now, Hollow, with 2,000, quote, unquote, you know, attendees. But the reality is it's, it's all going to be bots. You want to add 2,000 new, uh, you know, new followers? Just pick your price. It's... We knew it was coming. Uh, I got the invitation, just like many others got the invitation. Um, you know, just at the at the end of the day here, and and to the point of what's going to come next, right? With new technologies coming online, Twitter Spaces, et cetera, et cetera. You know, if Paul and Rohan and Anu and Stephanie and the team aren't paying attention, could they get past? Sure, they could. And I will tell you this, which is from my personal experience, I wouldn't change these last hundred days for the world. You know, the connections that I've made here, if Clubhouse shut down tomorrow, 
I'd be okay with that. I mean, not I wouldn't like it, but the reality is I've had a chance to meet people like Mario, who is up to amazing things in the world and actually had real in, you know, IRL conversations, right? And so many others True. that frankly, I just wouldn't have had access to and just got to know people that even if I went to a networking event, like we could go to the best podcast conference in the world and I could be sitting right next to Mario and I never would have known that, you know, who he was. Like this platform has developed so many incredible relationships for me. And I know for so many others, I hope it doesn't go away. But if it went away tomorrow because of the infiltration of bots or whatever, this, this, that, and the other, these relationships, I, I, I know for a fact, would survive the collapse of Clubhouse if that happened. Yeah, I totally agree. Dimitri, any last thoughts on bots before we go back to Suheb? Yeah, so I'm actually writing a white paper. I, I rarely write, but this is month ago inspired me to write a white paper. Uh, you can find sort of pre-subscribe to it if you go to hackingclubhouse.com or to my profile, koji.2 slash Dimitri, and just put in your email address and, and I'll notify you when it's out. It'll probably be another month, two months and a half. We'll certainly talk about bots, but specifically about sort of hacking the clubhouse algorithm. I've spent a decade and a half working on ranking algorithms for content discovery and people discovery. I ran the teams at, at Google that did that. And so there's a bunch of interesting stuff. And obviously, this is an interesting topic for people. So hopefully, it will be something valuable that I can contribute to all of you in the world on, on how to think about Clubhouse from an algorithm perspective. Again, hackingclubhouse.com. Amazing, amazing. And I'll stick that link in my show notes so everybody can get it. And for everybody who's listening on the podcast right now, Steve talked about PTR on Clubhouse. That means pull down to refresh. And what he did is he switched his profile picture and then showed us a screenshot of some pricing for bots and, uh, you know, room numbers. So people are buying bots here on the app. Suhabe, I want to kick it back to you. I want to talk about why you think this app is so addictive. Thank you, Hala. So we, we know humans have an innate kind of things like loneliness or social isolation can cause detrimental effects to not only your mood and happiness and mental health, but also your health generally. And kind of we measure that with certain inflammatory markers changing as well. And there's kind of some long-term studies that have shown um, like interleukin-6 changing. And it's pretty interesting what happens to humans when they become lonely. So what Clubhouse does is it allows you to have this social interaction through voice, which A, feels a lot more genuine, and B, you have a lot more people who are more like-minded or similar interests that you can connect with instantly in real time, which on other platforms is pretty difficult. I mean, on Instagram, you share a picture, it gets a like, you get the dopamine reward mechanism that is pretty well documented. And some people obviously do get addicted to other platforms as well. You see yourself scrolling, doom scrolling, etc. But I think the Clubhouse conversations kind of go on and there's more of that emotional element and that actual connection. So I think that's why this app can become addictive. But I think it is primarily also due to the fact of what is your early experience. I know when I joined, the small community that was very catered towards tech is something I enjoyed, so it made me stick. I know others who joined at different points who may not have had that introduction to the people maybe they connect with on that level and therefore they kind of fall off pretty quickly. So we know Silicon Valley designs apps to be addictive. I mean... And BJ Fogg, he's, he's a behavioral scientist. He's on Clubhouse. And I guess he's worked with a lot of tech companies. It's pretty interesting to see his research as well. So 
it gets interesting on how Clubhouse moves with that. How do they make this app sticky? And for a lot of people, I mean, they, they, they quoted the average number of time spent by a user back in February or January, and it was an hour and a half per session. And that doesn't hold true for other apps like Twitter or Instagram. So there's something that's happening here with that human connection element that is making people spend longer on this app than any other app we've seen before. So yeah, I think there's some of the elements which do make um, Clubhouse more addictive. Yeah, and I actually have a stat here that it's reported that many people are spending up to 40 hours per week on the app. That's crazy. Before that, the average time per week on social media was 17 hours. And so people are spending 40 hours on Clubhouse. (laughs) That's like a job, right? So that's crazy that some people are, are spending that much time here. But you know, it's obvious. I'm spending at least two, three hours a day on this app. Um, You know, it's become a huge priority for me and I'm sure for a lot of these people on the stage. Okay, so let's talk about the rise of competitors in this drop-in audio space. We did sort of allude to it. I was reading up on the news today and I see that it's rumored that LinkedIn may announce a new audio feature. It's also rumored that Well, actually, it's confirmed that Spotify actually just acquired a company. I think it's called Locker Room, and they're also looking to be in this space. So is anybody familiar with, you know, the other audio apps in this space? The other one I'll mention, uh, Flasher Mike, if anybody wants to talk about this, is Fireside. So me and Steve Ulsher actually on the panel, we're both uh, founding creators on Fireside right now. And that's another app that's coming out in this space. So Steve, uh, what do you think about all these competitors? What's your opinion on this landscape? Yeah, I mean, my my opinion is, um, first and foremost, uh, what happens on Fireside stays on Fireside. So we don't talk about Fireside. <laughs> it's one of those things right now. Learn that the hard way. So I don't want to talk too much about that. But I will say that the one who runs it is super sharp. Uh, Cuban is involved with it. I don't see it as a direct competitor here to Clubhouse. Clubhouse is going after what I would call critical mass. Fireside is going after what I would call curated mass. And so they're, they're being very intentional about the people that they bring on to create content, lead conversations and lead their, their chats. So I don't see it as a direct competitor. I do think it's uh, a side by side synergistic avenue where podcasting, Fireside and Clubhouse actually all sit really nicely side by side with the FOMO elements that are here, with the ticketing and monetization elements that are on uh, Fireside, and then with the evergreen elements that are found in, in traditional podcasting. So I don't see the other players, Twitter and, and, and the others, catching up to what Clubhouse uh, has done here because they're really just copying. And at that point, you know, it's a me too sort of thing. So I'd like to think Clubhouse has got uh, a nice early off in position uh, and will hold down social audio in that way. But I think Fireside and traditional podcasting are still really nice compliments to what's going on here. Amazing. Anybody else have something to add when it comes to competitors? Yeah, I, I, I have, a I think, a different point of view kind of goes back to the first question that I was answering of what makes Clubhouse special. It's not really the technology. It is the fact that we have chosen to show up in this room and talk to each other. And the issue with sort of keeping people on Clubhouse or any other app in this space, you know, for that matter, is because everything is so ephemeral, we're not actually sort of creating, I mean, in this room we are because we're recording this and this is going to be a podcast, but typically on Clubhouse, this is an ephemeral app, uh, which is marvelous. It's fantastic. Uh, but the problem is it builds sort of no long-term value. It doesn't add to SEO. It doesn't add to anything that could be referenced later. 
And so if we chose to move to any other app at any point in time, there's one, nothing preventing us from doing it. And two, nothing sort of holding us here as this room being better than other rooms. There's plenty of room for innovation, certainly, on the product side of this. And so I'm excited to see Clubhouse and many other competitors that will spring up to do it. But I don't see any sort of tie-in here that will keep Clubhouse somehow dominating. I mean, we'll see. Obviously, Andreessen Horowitz is betting big on this. But I think it's, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. It surely is going to be an interesting to watch. With that said, we're going to keep this conversation going. And I want to ask the panel, what do you think is going to happen when Android users are introduced to the app? It's rumored that they're going to be introduced to the app in May. Christian and then Paulina, let's hear from you. All right. So Android, very, very interesting. So we are about to get potentially in May, a whole new set of people. And I think this is going to be very interesting. I've talked to Caroline about this, is that we're definitely going to need a lot more newbie rooms and welcome rooms because these people on the app, we want to be able to keep them. Because what I've been seeing, like in my opinion, like we've had a lot of churn. A lot of my friends aren't on this app anymore. Um, a lot of the people I've met have have just like, oh, I'm going to go back to regular life because some of them have lost the sense of like, all right, cool. I, I can't do a room anymore, especially with everybody getting clubs. It really segregated us all. Like we were all friends and now we're all split up. So we're going to need to set the culture, right? Like I don't think the once a week on Wednesday at a time that won't work for everybody will, will work for everybody that's on Android, right? And here's another thing too. Android is a majority market in the world. So the fact is that there's going to be a lot more users that are going to come onto this app. Are they going to be quality users? We'll see. We're going to make sure that they are. So here are my predictions of Droid. Um, we're going to get a lot new, more people on the app. We're going to see a lot of the same stuff. We're going to see a bunch of silent rooms. We're going to see a bunch of like stuff that people said no to. We're going to see follow for follow rooms again. And um, I think it's as a community, to all of us together, once we start seeing those newbies, like we need to bring them on stage. We need to you know, really incorporate them because if they feel left out, they're going to churn. And you know, this is a community-driven app. And I think we have to do a big push for that. My name is Christian. I'm done speaking. Yeah, I totally agree. They said that there's 10 million downloads and 2 million weekly active users. That means most people have the app downloaded and don't go on it. Steve, it sounds like you have something to say in reply to Christian. Let's go to you and then kick it to Paulina. Well, actually, see, now I've, I've got the etiquette off because I was really just flashing my mic to applaud what Christian was saying. Sorry about that. But I will say that the reality, as I sit here and look at things, is number one, Christian's point is really well taken about being more inclusive and, and making sure that you bring some of the party poppers and these folks up and having the welcome rooms, et cetera. Um, I will also say that one of the reasons why we have over 60 club pod leaders with a set schedule where we have rooms going darn near 24 hours a day, seven days a week is because this is a global platform, right? I mean, this is a global app. And so you just want to be really cognizant of how can you make like human behavior is a perfect example here where how can you, how can you cater what you're doing to people in all different time zones and in a lot of different topics? But at the same time, really understanding that when you have this many new people who are going to be coming on to an app, that's kind of a double-edged sword. And what we need to do as early adopters is make sure that we keep up the pace of really pubbing this thing, of really being excited about it as well, because this is a very unique moment in time. This is an inflection point as far as the app is concerned. And if we, as early adopters, 
keep up the energy, keep up the enthusiasm, keep posting about it, the Android folks are going to want to come on. They're going to want to participate. They're going to want to be a part of what we're doing here. And my concern is, like it's been said, some of the people that have been on here have lost interest already. This is foundational, folks. And the work that you put in now and the foundation that you build now, if we do this correctly, will pay dividends for a long time to come. So now is not the time to go back in here. Now is the time to step on the gas. I totally agree. Paulina, what do you think? I agree 1 million percent with Steve. I'm paying a lot of attention, you know, being a strategist. A lot of times I don't speak. I listen to a lot of brilliant people. I'm noticing that, you know, some people like to hear themselves speak on this app and they like to, you know, embellish certain things. And that doesn't concern me. What I really love is that a person that has no business experience can walk into a room with Grant Cardone. This is what I witnessed yesterday and ask Grant what it felt like to fall really, really hard in the recession. I'm sorry, in the down market of 2008. And um, how did he recover from that and have an honest conversation that have audience participation? I think this is what makes this app so different because in a conference, in a mastermind, it's a very curated environment where here, a lot of times it's these conversations that just make it so human, make it so different. And for me personally, I would really love to see this app grow from that perspective of having these kind of conversations of curating content around being a human being that can make money, that can collaborate, and that can do a lot of things as a result of being on this app. So I think the more users that come in, can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. Stay tuned. But I agree with Steve that uh, it's a foundational stage right now. And it's uh, really time to set the foundation that you want to set for yourself here as you grow your influence. That's my opinion. And Hala, I would just say that, you know, when I think about this room and this club, human behavior, one of the things as humans is to perfect our ability to active listen. And I believe that through this app that I've actually become a better listener. I think it's something that I've intended to want to do, but I believe that through this app, because I'm a person that likes to talk. I mean, I went to school for communications. I mean, I host shows. I'm on TV. I do things in the web. I do things on podcasts. Like I like to talk, but I've had to intentionally also focus on how can I be a better listener? And I think this app is really, for those that have wanted to have that kind of goal or that intention, has really perfected that and has built that particular skill set and has strengthened that. And this is the only app that I have been on thus far where you can actually learn from people without having to actually talk because you can click on someone's bio. You can read up on who they are. You can see who your neighbor is without having to be on stage or have to finagle your way to have a moment where you get to hold the mic in your hand. So I believe that when people start to also use the app in that way, you also start to deepen your connections and you also maybe even become a better human or maybe a more empathetic human because we're learning to try to be patient with what we would like to say. And instead, why don't we listen to what someone else has to say instead of waiting for that gap to bring up our point that we would like to interject. And so I think it's also challenged me to be more in the present, which is something that I work on with meditation practice and mindfulness, but being in the present and not trying to force my thoughts or my point of view or my perspective or waiting for everyone else to talk and piggybacking just to piggyback. Like, am I saying something unique and different of value to the conversation or am I just adding on to what someone else just said that's already been handled, but I just wanted to say it. So I think it, to me, it's made me in some ways 
I think, a better human to some degree. Yeah, I totally agree, Mario. And it sounds like we're getting into talking about like best practices in terms of how to use this app and how to grow on this app. Um, So I'd love to pivot to that. So like I mentioned before, it's reported that people are spending up to 40 hours a week on this app. We have a back channel and some of the people here on the stage were laughing and saying 40 hours, those are baby numbers. So I want to know everybody here on the stage, how many hours are you spending here on the app? How about Michael? How much time are you spending here on the app? You know, it's kind of varied and it varies week to week. What's been interesting for me is the app has actually provided a lot more business. And in fact, and I'm not converting anybody to a product or anything, just particularly the business I do. So some weeks I probably do spend 50, 60 hours a week inside Clubhouse. And some weeks I spend five to 10 hours. I think it just kind of depends because as I've curated these relationships, these relationships have translated to business. So there are times where I'm working to curate the relationships and I'm spending time investing in the value of others and standing behind them. And I'll spend a lot more time in the app. And then those weeks where those conversions of relationships are turning into business relationships and opportunities, they require me to be in real life and in real time working on business deals. So it's kind of varied. I try, I was literally sitting here trying to work on the math. I would say on average, I'm probably between 35 and 45 hours a week. But again, it varies week to week how heavily weighted that time is. But it, it's definitely, um, and I, I know a lot of people said this earlier, for me, you know, early on, I kind of blew it off for months, actually, the, the invite to Clubhouse, I blew it off. I got in, I spent just a matter of five days, and I figured out the incredible value it had in here for relationships, for potential business partnerships and joint venture type deals. And that's exactly what it's turned into. And I haven't looked back. I even gave up some other contracts that I had in place in my life back in January because the value inside Clubhouse and relationships was so great. And so this has become, to some extent, like a full-time job for sure. Yeah, completely. Christian and then Paulina. Yeah, there's a way to actually just figure out how much uh, time you spend. Because I know you're guessing, but if you go to your screen time on your iPhone, you can see. And you actually might be surprised. It might be a lot more than you anticipate. So so I, I thought just... about that too, Christian. But I'm one of those people for a long time would have multiple devices, right? The big no-no. So early on, I did check that. There was one week I spent like 90 hours <laughs> on the <app. laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I could just give you my stats for this week. I mean, daily average is 13 hours. This week is 67 hours, like, and it's only Thursday. And so, like, that that's the thing. Like, this app has done so much for like for me, just like I'm constantly going into different rooms and learning about different people. And also, like, I've been in rooms where I don't even understand the language and somebody's translating it. Like, I was in a um a Farsi room and it was the most hilarious thing ever. Like learning about how different cultures like moderate rooms and stuff of that nature. But yeah, I was the one that commented on 40 hours a week. Dude, that's baby numbers. Super baby numbers. Like if anybody's serious on this app and is using it for like, you know, that really wants to get into it, I would say like, yeah, 40 hours a week is the starting point. And because once you start seeing the value of it, I don't know. For me, I can't go back. I got to meet directors of really big companies and work with them and get onto like crazy stuff that I would have never touched before. And yeah. Oh my gosh, 60 something hours. How do you get any other work done? That's crazy. Paulina, what do you have to say about this? It's hard to get work done with this app. (laughs) But um, to be honest with you, another thing that I decided to do was cancel some of my contracts that were just draining a lot of my time as I got into 
bigger partnerships as a result of this app. Michael is one of them. We're working on raising money together and doing a lot of really interesting things. I think just like anywhere else in life, in business, you have to pick and choose your battles. You have to be in alignment with what you're looking to create for yourself. Only you can answer for yourself what's a lot of time, what's not a lot of time. Just like Christian said, you know, there are people here that I met that I don't know how else in life I would possibly meet an executive of Facebook or, or, you know, Wolf of Wall Street or other people. And just the opportunity here is incredible. I've never seen anything like that. And, And it's different types of people from all different walks of life, right? So I think, you know, to say if you should spend 10 hours here or 70 hours here, I think the better question is to ask yourself, what are my intentions? Am I just hanging out here or am I building relationships? Am I building a foundation for something? Am I looking for a partnership? And I think maybe a combination of all of them or none of them. In the beginning, when I just got into the app in January, I was just like, I can't even believe this is happening every minute. I would just meet another person and what would be more interesting than another. And then one of my kids told me, hey, mom, you play more with your friends, with your new friends at Clubhouse than you play with me. It really centered me. It made me reevaluate what I was doing on the app. And at the same time, it really made me more intentional. That has been my experience. But I think for every person, it's going to be different. But to answer your question directly, I spent a lot of time here. It's intentional. I met you on this app, and I'm super excited about that haul. This episode of Yap is sponsored by Policy Genius. April is filled with many unpleasant things. It starts off with us getting fooled and pranked, and then we get rained on, and then mid-month dreaded taxes, which, by the way, I haven't even started yet. And if you need something to lift your spirits up and make you feel like you're moving in the right direction, consider protecting your loved ones by getting life insurance with Policy Genius. We're always talking about smart investments on Young and Profiting Podcast. And if anyone depends on your income right now, life insurance is something you should definitely think about. It protects your family and should definitely be evaluated as part of your financial game plan. Head over to policygenius.com to review plans and compare quotes. You could save 50% or more on life insurance. And once you find your best option, the Policy Genius team will set up your new policy for you and answer any questions that you have along the way. And since their licensed agents work for you, not the insurance companies, there's absolutely zero hassle. If you hit any speed bumps, Policy Genius will take care of everything. It's no wonder Policy Genius has earned thousands of five-star ratings. The best parts? There's two. All of these benefits, the comparison tool, the handling of paperwork, the unbiased advice, it's totally free to use. And the second best part is you can feel good knowing that your family has financial protection, especially in these crazy and uncertain times. Policy Genius can promise that you will not leave their website feeling like a fool. You're gonna feel empowered. You could save 50% or more by comparing life insurance plans and feel good knowing that if something happens, your loved ones will be taken care of. Go to policygenius.com to get started. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. So I was an executive at Disney and I started this company, a multi-six-figure side hustle. And it was time for me to quit anyway. But really, 
it was Clubhouse. And I was like, I need to spend time on Clubhouse. I can't have a full-time job anymore. And I literally, like that was the nail in the coffin of why I quit my job. So Clubhouse has so much potential. I have felt like my career has accelerated so crazy since I got on this app. It's like, I feel like things that would have taken six months has taken like three weeks to do on the app. It's like every day is super fast paced. There's so much opportunity here. Let's talk about growth strategies. So everybody here on stage has a lot of followers for the most part. Some of you guys were influencers in the past, like Tanner and Joey. Some of you guys are new influencers. And so I want to hear about your growth strategies. And then I want to get into club growth strategies. We've got two of the biggest club owners also here on stage. So let's talk about growth. Joey, I don't know if you're on here, uh, if you're active or Tanner, I'd love to hear from you guys. Like, How have you been growing your following here on the app? Yeah, I'm here. This is Joey. So for me, I started back in early December. Uh, I got invited from my buddy Spectacular. He is funny. I, it was like a Friday night and I just got home around like midnight and I get the FaceTime from him and he's like, Joey, you got to get on this app clubhouse. We're, we're in a room right now. And, and I hopped on and yeah, man, everyone was just talking like a bunch of nonsense. And I don't know if people were just drunk or whatnot. And I was like, what is this? I had no clue what this app was. So to be honest, I was inactive for the first two weeks because I thought it was, I didn't know there was value here. And then one day I heard about just a couple of people that I actually really look up to in social media and uh, like Grant Cardone and a bunch of other people, Ty Lopez and uh, Gary Vee, and that they're on this. So I was like, oh, wait, maybe this is something of actual value. So I went on there and started seeing all these different rooms, social media rooms. I started plugging in. And for me, what it was, was when I finally started realizing that this was a, an app with a, worth of value. I started joining rooms where I felt that I can provide value, right? Because there are a lot of these rooms you could just get lost in. And there's rooms where you, there's people talking every two seconds and you can't even have your opportunity and you're fighting for the mic. And for me, I know social media really well, especially Instagram. And so for me, I found rooms where I could provide value and help other people with their rooms. And once I started doing that, that's when my, my following started. And so I said, well, you know what? I want to be able to spend as much time where I can provide value, I can speak, and people can learn from me. And if it turns into business, awesome, which it has, and I'm very grateful for. But me leading into this was just, how can I help? How can I use this as an outlet for me to give back? And it's been tremendous. The amount of, I mean, that's how you and I met, Hala. It's just been amazing. Like The amount of connections, the amount of friendships, even off the app now, and like you hear about meetups now and different things. And for me, I live with value and I'm never going to look back. That's the number one way to grow for anyone listening. Join clubs, go off of Clubhouse, go on Instagram DMs, go on WhatsApp, use groups and form these rooms together and help each other out because you're better together, not solo. And so that's what's helped me over the last uh, three months. And I'm so grateful for it, of all the new friendships and connections I've built. So just uh, build that, leave a value and that's it. I couldn't agree more, Joey. Tanner, I don't know if you're here. Uh, flash your mic if you're around. Okay, well, thank you so much, Tanner. Tanner has over 100,000 followers. So when he's back, I'd love to hear how he grew his following. Anybody here on stage want to talk about how they grew their following? Christian? Yeah. So, you know, other than being on this app for a long time, right? It's, um, you know, it's, it's been said and, you know, you could take a shot every time you hear this word, but, you know, provide value to the, <laughs> to the space, right? So 
one thing I did was I ran my LinkedIn masterclass every Monday, Wednesday at the same exact time. And I was helping people get like get their LinkedIn's up and start getting them jobs. So that was my churn and burn right there because people saw the value of it and nobody else was doing it. And what it also did was I was doing it by myself at first. And then like I had influencers come in there and help me. So I had Jared, he helped me out. And you know, he had like 20,000 followers when I had like like 50. So he would jump into a room and he would bring all of his followers because right now what he does is he gets all these recruiters into one room and then connects them with job seekers. So I was in that kind of same space. And then like I provided added value to that space. And that was like helping people with LinkedIn. So I did that for a long time. And I was like, wow, okay, cool. And I started getting a lot of really big LinkedIn influencers to help me out. And you know, that just continues to like my rooms went from like 20 people to 50 people to 70 people to 80 people. And then I was like, all right, you know, I should start working with clubs. This is before Insta Clubs. And um then I was like, hey, let me hit up, you know, data and AI. They're one of the biggest tech clubs. And I went there and my rooms went from like 100 people immediately to 500. And so the scalability was just completely different when you work with other people's internal audiences. And so then now my LinkedIn rooms were churning. I had to change the way I moderated. I had to do different things in order to you know, maintain uh, sanity and, and fairness because if you, know, you can't appease 800 people, so you have to tailor it. So I started doing that. I worked with like bigger people and really just adding value to their own space and also being in their rooms and supporting them in any way I could. Um, like for me at PlayStation, I had jobs and I could give jobs to other people because I have a referral link and I know what it takes to get a job at PlayStation. So I would be on Jarrett's stages and I'll be like, hey guys, if you guys need help, DM me on LinkedIn. And that was before I was big. And now like my LinkedIn messages are kind of scary and um it takes me forever like literally 2 weeks to get through my dms but you know i just added value to the space and now nowadays like people just follow me cuz they know like whatever room i go into it's going to be a tech room or it's going to be a value room so that was what i did to get my first like 10,000 followers and then like later on i started thinking like man you know tech space is great i love it and so I started moving into like, well, I love Clubhouse. I want to know all this technical pieces of it. And I put my ear down to the ground with like the Clubhouse updates. And then I created CH Town Hall, which was a place where, because every time they have those town hall messages, like I never knew what went on and nobody had an idea. And I always had to listen to it like secondhand. So created the CH Town Hall where I wrote down all those notes and I made sure that I put it on a Google Doc that same day and then shared it out on my Twitter. So then that way, everybody that was in that room could get that value of what was said. And so that was just like another value add. And so now what that did was that brought in all the millionaire room people. So like probably, I think I've seen Tanner in my room a couple of times. And you know, then now I just now all the really big people knew that I was doing this kind of value add. And then they go into my rooms. And now when you have the biggest people in your rooms, then next thing you know, all of their followers, hundreds, like millions of followers of people are just going into one place. So yeah, that was pretty much it. Like the bigger the people that, you know, think about who you're adding value to. And it depends Like, what do you want the followers for, right? Like if you want the followers to followers, then hit the biggest demographic here on the app, which is Clubhouse users, right? But if you want a niche following, like for me, I have like tech people, but I'm also doing Clubhouse in general because I genuinely find it interesting. And yeah, so that's what you want to do. It, like your follower account doesn't matter. It matters like the people that you have, right? Because yeah, if you're into senior data engineers and trying to get into management, that is such a small subsect of people. But if you have those strong 2,000 people and you want to monetize that later on, then you have that group of people. 
Amazing. It looks like Dimitri and then Aid has something to say. So let's go to Dimitri and then Aid. Hey, thanks. So I think this is like a really super fascinating and super important topic that we're talking about. It is really easy for people to believe that the number of followers is the major driver of success on a social network. That's not true. I repeat, that is not true. We're starting to see it on Clubhouse as the algorithm gets better at understanding the difference between value of people and rooms and sort of many other features, as they're called, in, in creating algorithms. The number of followers is one of the signals. It's sort of one of the, one of the features that the algorithm looks at. But it's actually not the dominant one. Uh, there are many others. And so I guess I, I would suggest to everybody not to spend too much time sort of obsessed about growing your number of followers in the room, that it's not what it's about. It's about the chemistry in the room. By the way, I learned this in 2009, which was my first year at Burning Man. I've gone every year since. And on my second year, I co-founded a major camp on Esplanade, on sort of the main thoroughfare of Burning Man, or one of the most trafficked camps at Burning Man. And, and Burning Man is very much like Clubhouse. It's all about sort of ephemeral connection with people, people that show up in our lounge. By the way, our camp is called Pink Heart, for those of you who, uh, who know about Burning Man. So a Pink Heart camp on Esplanade always. And as people show up to the camp, we welcome them and we create chemistry. And that's what gets people to come back and that's what gets people to stay. By the way, coming back to a prior question of what's going to happen when we let a whole slew of new users in when Android gets released, uh, this is a very big question mark. If all of a sudden many more people show up without sort of being indoctrinated into the, the culture, the etiquette, the vibe of what this new voice medium is, if they do that, they're going to be either disruptive or disappointed in their experience and therefore will not be a user. I think it's also important for those of us that are on stage to be very conscious in understanding that unless you're on stage, Clubhouse feels radically different to people that are just listening. Yes, we people on stage get to pontificate and add value and follow each other and, and celebrate that maybe you know, we have more followers or people are paying more attention to us, whatever is the metric that we're, that we're going for. But the people that are listening are having a radically different experience. And without the ability to speak to each other and message each other and connect in that way, it, it, it is a completely different thing. And so it's going to be really, really challenging for Clubhouse and Twitter and anybody else, Discord, et cetera, who are going to play in this new ephemeral voice medium to find ways to get new users in that get them in at the right pace and get them to follow the right path of onboarding so they have similar experiences where they feel sort of this chemistry, this humanity that all of us are feeling sort of vibing with each other. This is like, as I mentioned, is the magic of Clubhouse. By the way, if all of us leave here, if we, the people on stage, leave and went to Discord and started chatting there, arguably in that room on Discord, this would be just as compelling. 
And that's going to be one of the biggest challenges of this medium that we're using, meaning if you're trying to build a company around it, how do you sort of build this, grow it, and and deal with competition? Thank you so much, Dimitri. So true. Ade, what do you have to say about this topic? How are you growing your profile here on Clubhouse? And what have you seen work in terms of growing your profile? Hey, Hala. Thank you guys for bringing me on here. A few things. I was in the audience. Oh, by the way, hey, Christian. uh, So hey, hello, everyone else. So I think I joined in November, and I'll just touch on a few things. First thing is uh, on the issue of bots. So Christian was mostly correct on that, but um, a lot of people know. By the way, oh, my name is Ade. I'm a software senior engineer at Netflix, and um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the app that we've been privy to, which has been low-key about. Um, but on the issue of bots, they've always been bots. Most people were just buying them on the low, but when it became more like open is when people started noticing. So a lot of people actually have bots that you know. It's just they don't do the jump, rather, right? Instead of buying 20,000 followers at once, they buy like 60 a day, 200 a day. So it looks more natural, right? So that's one approach we've seen people use. Um, it's very easy to create bots on this app, literally. Like any good engineer can do it in 10 minutes. So you don't necessarily, what I'm saying is going to a website and looking at the list wouldn't necessarily give you the exact count. There's a lot more nefarious stuff going on. The other side of the bots is the negatives of it, right? The people are using it to attack one another. Like if you've noticed lately, there's all these programs, right? You know, the creator program and all these things and everyone trying to go to the top. As a result, let's say, Hala, let's say you were running a room, but I didn't want your room to succeed. I could marshal, I don't know, 3,000 bots, right? That all go to your room. They get deployed to your room. Maybe I can change all their profile pictures to look creepy. So that way, anyone who comes into your room will not want to be there because it's a bunch of creepy looking people there, right? Or it also, you know, the app algorithm could also see that number and say, wait a minute, there's too many people reporting this room. So maybe I should shadow ban Halash. So people are using the bots both as a, an attack mechanism, but also a way to improve themselves just because everyone's trying to get to the top. So there's so much going on that a lot of people don't know about. But anyways, enough on the bots. Um, on the side of growth and uh, providing value. Similar to Christian, when we got on here, you know, the main thing was I'm in Silicon Valley, right? I'm in tech industry. And I didn't realize how much the whole COVID recovery is split across the world, right? There's those of us in who are professionals doing well. We're doing well still during COVID. And then there's those people on the other side who lost their jobs that are going down. So there's like two different recovery patterns, right? The K-shaped COVID recovery, if you study the economics of it. And on the app, it, it exposed me to all these people across the world that I would never have met because, you know, I'm in my bubble at Silicon Valley. So we were doing a lot of hiring things, helping people get jobs. In fact, it got published in the news multiple times for get, getting people jobs. And it was amazing, right? The problem was, you know, we started to ask ourselves, like, the amount of work you put in, the amount of energy you put in. You know, at what point do you lose yourself? Because, you know, the world will always take. So it's kind of a hard balance. But what we continue doing till today is we just provide, once again, provide value, get people help, stuff like that. The hard part is when all the marketers, and not saying anything against marketers, when all the marketers came in, it became really hard to keep doing the positive stuff, right? Because the rooms get, they get, you know, drowned by all these catchy titles, you know, and all the NFT stuff and all the you know, Justin Bieber stuff. So it, it is tricky as a person who keeps striving to help people grow. It's tricky because 
as you constantly, you know, you constantly have to wade through it. Nonetheless, there's still a lot of good people on here. Me and a whole bunch of people in the tech space are going to keep running rooms that help folks out. We don't care about follower counts. Like we have real lives off of Clubhouse. That's the thing. People who have real stuff going on off of Clubhouse don't stress too much, in my opinion, about growth hacking or trying to be anything on the app because they already have their validation and they're fine. But I think Clubhouse presents certain people an opportunity, right, to find their voice and to be something, which is not bad. It's just different. So there you have that contention where you have two different kinds of people, those who need Clubhouse and those who are just here because it's a way to provide value and maybe just hang out. So now the third thing of retention, um, yes, the data that we've seen suggests that they have a retention problem, right? Because when I got on, nine people out of 10 was cool, were cool, right? If I met nine people in a room of 10 people, I'd probably follow all of them. That's how good it was. Every single day was just like intellectual, intellectual, amazing people, smart people, every single day. Now, I'd say it's more like nine in a thousand, right? <laughs> because it's like, there's that signal to noise ratio that's not ideal. And that makes it hard for the new people coming on board who heard all the hype about Clubhouse to be like, wait, is this the Clubhouse you guys talk about? You know, like, I'm on this app and it's so much NFT noise. It's so I think their attention is suffering. Also, the discoverability needs help, right? Sometimes the room you really want, you just can't see it. So I think these are engineering problems that can be solved. But right now, I think they're just focusing on growth and signups. And they'll probably turn on the dial when they're ready. But we don't know. There's also more data on uh, in-app payments coming soon. Um, I don't know if you guys are down. I can, If you look at my screen, this was from one of the engineers I know. Actually, the guy who worked on the bots and the guy who worked on some of the websites, Clubhouse DB and all this stuff. I was on some of them. So PTR on my profile picture, it looks like in-app payments may or may not be coming soon. We don't know. But if it is coming soon, it's looking like it's something that can be toggled per person. We really don't know, but this is just preliminary data, which means that they're cooking up some stuff. There's also some other stuff we see on the back end where they're trying to engineer for people to import their offline users. Anyways, we can go into the whole thing, but I just wanted to drop a few things so people know where the direction of the app is going. And I think every a lot of people will begin to employ this model of audio and stuff like that. Anyways, it's Adi and I'm done speaking. I don't want to hog the stage. <laughs> Sorry. Well, you dropped so many nuggets of wisdom. We were all like, you know, celebrating you in the back channel. Like you're the goat. So you definitely know your stuff. So don't feel shy about contributing. And you started to talk about features. And I do want to say that this is part one of a part two series for my podcast, Young and Profiting. We are recording it for the podcast. So Adi, I would love for you to join us next week. Next week, we're going to talk about features that we wish would be on the app. We're going to talk about monetization strategies, how people are sponsoring and monetizing their rooms. We're going to talk about the future of podcasting and the audio space in general. So definitely tune in next week, same time, 8 p.m. We're going to be back here talking about the rise of Clubhouse part two. And like I said, we're going to be focusing on monetization and features. So it's going to be a great conversation. Uh, so Steve, Suhaib, I would love to hear about how you grew your club on Clubhouse. Suhaib, you are the owner of the Human Behavior Club. Thankfully, you have blessed me with evening programming and weekend programming on your club, which I'm super excited about. So thank you so much, first of all, for your trust and this opportunity that you've provided me. Um, how have you grown this club to be the number one biggest club on Clubhouse with 453,000 plus members? 
Thank you, Hala. It's a pleasure to connect with you. And thanks, Elizabeth, for connecting us. So yeah, that's a great question. I often get asked that. So I see numbers as more of a utility, uh, more of kind of a vanity metrics at time. I think it's engagement or really obviously kind of having large numbers when, when you are talking to someone. Reach out to people who, you know, maybe someone I admire. As soon as you say largest club, people are more interested. And that's just, unfortunately, how the world works. So obviously, I think building a community is really important. And kind of some of the things, I guess, I'm a doctor. I'm a medical doctor. I'm not a marketing guy. I have some experience in tech and startups. I'm pretty passionate about AI. So my when starting the club, I could have easily done med tech. I could have done different clubs. But I named it Human Behavior because... I knew that would have a broad reach. I knew we're, we're all humans, we all behave, and I say this often. So I don't think of anyone on this app that wouldn't want to join something called human behavior because it applies to all of us. So kind of my curiosity for behavioral science and then other things in tech and health just made the topic fit where I could kind of discuss a range of broad topics. So I think the number one things that kind of helped the human behavior club grow apart from the algorithm, which was very helpful. My, my club was formed in September, pretty early on, was... A, having frequent shows. Um, I had frequent shows with high-quality guests, some professors from Stanford, Harvard, big health tech companies, behavioral scientists, neuroscientists. And I guess myself, I was able to talk on a range of topics. I mean, I've had a podcast before. I worked for O-Waves, a health tech company. So it was a bit of experience. I was used to speaking. I was used to public speaking and then applying this kind of broad range of interests I have. So I didn't make it too niche. So I can have shows on kind of things with more emotional elements, which maybe apply to the broader element, but then we can get into very technical ones as well and some of the ones on AI or kind of the nuances of medicine. And then you can interview authors or people who've been successful and ask about their decision-making. So a broad club would be one, two would be frequency of speakers, and then three would be getting that high quality of guests, which is very important, I think, to maintain the trust with the audience. So that's some of the main mechanisms, but I must say kind of the algorithm does really help. When the algorithm came in, in January, there was a point where we were getting 10K followers a, a day for the club. And I guess uh, the Human Behavior Club was positioned nicely in the ranking. We ranked highly for one tech, two knowledge, and three wellness. So they were kind of three top things, and which are pretty popular if you see on this app. Everyone cares about their health. Everyone cares about being healthier. Two, tech is very hot. You see a lot of tech people and VCs on here. And then three, knowledge. Everyone's trying to seek knowledge. So I guess ranking for the right things does really help that growth as well. And I've just kind of continued with consistency. I think people do get a bit of fatigue, voice fatigue. You want to see new faces. You want to see new moderators. You want to see a mix of people. I definitely get bored of seeing the same stages over and over again because, I mean, we know most people have the same limited things to say on repeat. Obviously, we learn new things, but our speed of learning is no way enough to be you know, adding new things every single day on this app. So you do need to rely on teamwork. You need to get the right team together, the right hosts, credible people. And yeah, with followers, I think it's a vanity metric. Obviously, it helps how humans behave. But yeah, for me, it's all about authenticity, getting the right people on and kind of if I can democratize getting some of these people, like some of these professors and helping a lot of the world learn about some of these things, then, then I think I win on this app because that's kind of one of my missions. Because often the people who I brought on the app don't have large followings at times, or they may do, but they're too busy to kind of reach the lay public at times. So that's why Clubhouse is powerful for me. So Hala, thank you for your question. I hope that helps. Yeah, totally. I think you gave some amazing strategies of how someone can grow their club. Steve, I want to hear from you. You have the largest podcaster club, Club Pod. Um, how did you grow that club? I'm not going to sit here and that we weren't the beneficiaries of timing because we certainly were. Um, you know, the reality is we came in at a time where there was a lot of interest in Clubhouse. 
products. And we kind of took the opposite approach of human behavior, which is to go, as opposed to going wide, we went very deep, right? So for us, our goal was to really figure out how to create a club that could be seen as the channel, so to speak, to go to if you're interested in podcast, podcast culture, or the world of podcasting. So there was never any doubt about what you would get if you come into a club pod room. And the goal out of the gate, really, almost from day one, was I want to see if it's possible to create a 24-7 channel all about podcasting, where our, our mission was very clear. Let's create a club where our mission is to elevate the podcast industry one room at a time. And I knew I couldn't do that on, on my own. So one of the things that we were very intentional about early on was bringing uh, on a group of trained uh, I don't want to call them certified, but certainly we've gone through training. And Holly, you know this because you're one of our club pod leaders, but we have over 60 club pod leaders right now that run the gamut of uh, you know people from very niche shows to more popular shows and people in all sorts of different parts of the globe as well. And the bottom line is we knew that if we wanted to build a club that was very niche specific, in this case, podcasting, we were going to have to take uh, a really intentional approach to building that club. So it wasn't for us, you know, the fact that we've reached 52,000 members and followers or whatever we're at right now, that honestly came as a bit of a surprise when you come right down to, because it took podcast movement, I think over four and a half years to put 40,000 people in their Facebook group. So for us to go from zero to over 50,000 in 90 days was just sort of like, that's unbelievable to me. But I, I do believe that one of the reasons why we've been able to do that is because we do train our people. We have them sign an admin agreement. They have, they're clear on what we are asking them to do as a club pod leader. And I knew that for me personally, I didn't want to be on here. I mean, you know, I mean, Christian, with all due respect, man, I'm glad you're on here as much as you are. But I mean, like I just looked at my time. I, I think I've been on here for an average of about an hour and two minutes a day this week. And that's, that's really about where I want to be. So the fact of the matter is we've grown Hala, and, and short answer here then is we've grown because we're very specific and we're and we've grown because anytime you go into a club pod room, it is going to be a conversation that elevates the industry. and It's a high value conversation. So we intentionally restrict people from selling. It's not there. There are no sales opportunities. It's, it's high value. It's content focused. And the reality is people have resonated with that and they've, and they've spread the word for us. And I know for us, the goal here is to have that 24-7 channel. And we are very, very close to that right now. Yeah. And I think, Dimitri, you have something to add on this. A lot of these conversations that we're having in this room, so I think point to a very clear thing that a bunch of us have known, specifically people who've spent a lot of time in sort of the evolution of social media, is that it's critically important if you care about having long-term relationships with your audience to be able to sort of disconnect yourself from the algorithms of each individual network. And again, this is again going back to my prior comment on followers. Lots of people are obsessed about growing their following all these different networks that we use. The problem is as soon as algorithms get involved, all of that sort of becomes a crapshoot. Forget sort of networks going out of business. I don't think Clubhouse is in danger of that. But algorithms change and very quickly sort of the 
your ability to reach audiences change. The only real way to sort of control that is to have the phone numbers and email addresses of your audiences so that you have the ability to reach out to them and they've got the ability to sort of respond to you as you move from network to network, perhaps, or again, something happens and algorithms for whatever reason get in the way. And, and so I think it's, it's critically important for folks that are serious about sort of creation of long-term value of building a brand, uh, personal brand, and building an audience uh, for the long term. It's critically important to get those email addresses, phone numbers, and, and have a system to be able to communicate with people that sort of supersedes these social networks that, that we're using today. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I have 90,000 followers on LinkedIn, and sometimes I like get so nervous that like one day my LinkedIn account is going to be shut down or something and then all this goes away, you know? So it is really scary, especially when you've invested a lot of time in these platforms. But to your point, we really do need to kind of own our own following. It's super, super important. Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn. And I love to teach sales on LinkedIn because when it comes to B2B sales, LinkedIn has got that on lock. LinkedIn is where all the decision makers are hanging out. There are 180 million senior level decision makers on LinkedIn and 10 million C-suite decision makers. These people are on LinkedIn and they're in the mode to buy. They're using LinkedIn for their buying journey to research vendors or sales reps that they might work with to look up how to solve their problems, to learn from industry thought leaders. They are in the mode to buy, whereas on other platforms, they're in the mode to be entertained. You wanna get them in the right mindset. You wanna cut through the noise with LinkedIn ads. In fact, 79% of B2B marketers rate LinkedIn as their top channel for paid media. And LinkedIn has the best targeting because they've got all these different inputs. People are putting their resume basically up on there. And so there's so many keywords that they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiters who wanna try LinkedIn ads. You can get a $100 credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you wanna make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you wanna claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so my last question to the panel before we kick it over to Q&A, you know, when it comes to Clubhouse, it has really changed lives. We've talked about it a little bit. You know, for instance, me and Joey are business partners now. Me and Paulina are, are partners now. Everybody is meeting their future business partners. Uh, people that may, it may have taken us years to meet each other, we're ending up meeting each other all at the same time, I think. And it's just super interesting. So I want to know what networking opportunities has Clubhouse opened up for you? Michael, I'd like to kick it to you first. And if anybody wants to add, flash your mic. We'll go to Michael and then and then Michael down below. We'll do both. <laughs> okay. That's always, every time Michael Graziano and I are on a stage together, I always have to pause and think about that for a minute. So no, I appreciate it, Holly. You know, for me, and actually I tell this story a lot. There's a particular investor on here back when I was in the startup game myself, starting my own companies, there was an investor that I just tried for 
over a year to get in touch with. And it's funny, he and I now lead rooms together. I remember when he popped in a room the first time, I just told him, I was like, you have no idea how hard I tried to be in touch with you. But one of the magic things about Clubhouse has been the ability to literally just make those connections. And because we're all open to it, we are hungry for it, but it is really effective when you do the follow-through. That's one thing I would tell everybody listening. You have to do the follow-through. So when somebody opens that up, you jump into those DMs, you continue to follow through, you get into WhatsApp, you get emails, you open up those Zoom calls and get face-to-face, but it's happening so fast. But it's going to happen as fast as your level of execution will allow you to go. So anybody in here, when you get that opportunity, you know, those of us who lead rooms, who are, are giving that value or showing up and sharing our expertise, if we say to you, jump into my DMs, connect with me, send me an email, connect, go for it, because we really are opening ourselves up to make that connection. And I love it when it, it happens for me every day for people I never thought I would be able to have communication and connection with, build friendships with, do business with. And it's been absolutely incredible. But the key element behind all of it really is the execution of making that connection. Totally. And Michael Graziano, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. It's good. To see thanks for having me here, Michael. Always a pleasure and, and lots of familiar faces on here. I did an event yesterday with the directors of Seaspiracy. I don't know if you guys have watched that documentary. Had Joey there, David, Michael, a couple others. And uh, I'd love to just share how I got the directors of the number one show on Netflix. They didn't know me. I didn't know them. I had no connection. It's the same strategy I used to get uh, Jesse Itzler's welcome party, uh, Sarah Blakely's husband, as well as um, the founder of, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank right now, Ali Webb, sorry, founder of Drybar. Uh, it's the same strategy. I just go to them and I say, hey, you know, I'm an admin of a startup club, one of the largest clubs on Clubhouse, 400,000 members, and uh, we'd love to have you on and hopefully get about 50,000 people through the room in the next couple hours and really just create some awareness around you and, and having a welcome party for you or, or you know, Ali uh, launched a new business. So we're going to draw awareness to that. And the founders of uh, Seaspiracy were obviously trying to draw some attention to their uh, movie. So you know, you, you come in and offer a chance for exposure. I think everyone wants exposure. And then, of course, that's going to get their attention and, and uh, they'll say yes. And then I went to Ed, you know, and said, hey, Ed, I got so-and-so celebrity who wants to come on Clubhouse. Can we have them at the club? And, you know, Ed's like, you know, sounds great. You know, that's going to add value to my club. You're increasing my brand. Uh, you're probably going to be bringing new people to the club. And, of course, I always recognize Ed and help get followers to his club, just making it even more bigger and, and prominent. So you have a deal where you're connecting two things together. You're connecting a, a person with a brand and a strong brand and a, or a celebrity. You're kind of rolling out the red carpet as they enter Clubhouse because they deserve it. And then you're connecting it to people who have access to fill the seats. And uh, by being a connector, you can be on stage and you can help guide the interview. You can help uh, bring on uh, your fellow moderators. You can help really connect the dots for everybody. So uh, I invite people to do that. And, you know, it's just being the connector can put you in a very powerful position, giving you access to an audience, access to celebrities and influencers, and even access to capital. So that's something to think about. 100%. 
I totally agree with you, Michael. Anybody else on the stage want to talk about networking? Let's hop to Christian and then maybe Mario. You know, Mario, I haven't heard from you in a while. Let's hop to Christian and then Mario. Yeah. I mean, not only the business stuff, right? You know, I've got to meet directors of really big companies, especially fan companies. But, you know, this is for your listeners out there. You know, if you're not into business, but, you know, you want to shoot your shot, (laughs) um, there is a lot of uh, dating people on this app as well. And I think it's one of the most surreal experiences actually to go on stage and just like, I like to call out this girl in the audience and then you start talking and you you literally give her your pitch. And you're like, this is why we should do a one-on-one room and talk to each other. And so I may or may not have dabbled in that and I may or may not have uh, met somebody here in LA, but I think it's one of the most interesting experiences ever because I remember meeting you know, meeting them in real life and just being immediately connected to that person and just being like, wow, you know, we had talked for a while, we did rooms together and then now we're here. And so, um, you know, it's not just for the business people though, too. There's a lot of normal people that can really just get value from this app. So I wanted to put that out there. And I think it's like one of the funner sides of uh, Clubhouse. It's not all business. It's uh, There's some very entertaining rooms as well. So my name is Christian. And I'm done speaking. I would say from a networking perspective, one of the things that well, part of active listening is to just really make sure that you're not like being redundant. So really listening to so many great points that have already been shared I would say one of the things that's kind of an advanced tip for me that's kind of worked well is many of us that are in the audience and on the stage, we're multi-hyphenated individuals. And you know we should never be subject to being put into a box. And we all know that personal growth only happens when we're actually feeling this kind of what we label as nervousness. I call it excitement or energized. We shouldn't use that word in my opinion, uh, because it's just energy that we're deciding to give a label. And I think that that personal growth is where we all start to like expand. And we're hearing a lot of things about how you can reach out to people and how you can DM. And these are all true facts. And one of the things that I have found that has worked for those of you that don't maybe aren't yet quite comfortable or understanding how to like make those connections, start really looking at how you can make your bios work better for you. And I think it's an overlooked strategy in terms of networking. What I mean by that is really using it in a way to communicate who you really are. So take your bio and try to, mine is a big mess of stuff. And it's done like that on purpose to show a lot of different people the different ways that you can use it. Some people have very minimalist bios. And if that's their goal, that's fine. Some people have longer, more detailed with a narrative and a story. The point that I'm really getting to is two points. One, speak like you speak to a human in your bio. Don't do it like it's LinkedIn. Do it not like it's a resume. Tell us what your intent on Clubhouse is. Tell people what you really are, are trying to do or trying to achieve or trying to connect with or, or network with. You'll be surprised how many people actually read that bio and will just reach out to you that never spoke on a stage and they'll DM you in the DM and it could be the greatest connection for you ever. So that's one. Two, have multiple bios. Many of us, as I said at the top, are multi-hyphenated individuals. We can do several different things. So many of you have different levels of expertise. And you're like, Mario, my bio, I have too much to say. Make separate bios. When you jump into the startup room or the startup club, have that bio ready. When you jump into uh, human behavior and you are more into mindfulness and maybe neuroscience or whatever that expertise is, put that to the top. The point is it's fluid. And I think that that's a very different way that we can use this social platform when it comes to networking and how we show up in spaces because we can actually be active about how we want to be seen or we just want to amplify the part that makes the most sense 
so that we have that natural, more authentic connection. And we're making it easy for people to see why we should be connecting or that we should be knowing of each other. So I hope that's helpful. Yeah, I think those were amazing networking tips. Let's hop over to Ade. Curious to hear about your networking experience here on the app and how you've been using the app to grow your connections. Hey, uh, thanks for the opportunity. Um, Yeah, it's been actually multifaceted, like folks said. The networking within the industry, not so much. In fact, I wasn't looking for that and I because I get that by default. The networking opportunities outside my industry are more of what I've been more particular about. And that's been amazing because even though I work at, you know, a, a place that makes shows and I get to work with creatives, I don't get to see creatives in their elements as much as I want to, you know, like artists, musicians, just doing their thing. And NFT, when NFTs came around, right, that just merged both worlds, like my tech world and the you know, the creative world. So that's been an opportunity for me to see people in their acts and maybe also provide insights. Right now I'm consulting for like multiple people who are trying to start their own NFT thing and how to set up technology and understand it. And I would never have thought I would be there. Also, I'm advising some startups uh, off of Clubhouse, right? I met in startup rooms and now I'm there, you know, they're interim CTO-ish. So it's it's just, there's just so much. But then the other side is also the um, more of a personal growth. I started to learn about myself on the app, right? By networking with people who are vastly different from me, people I would never have met. And that was the beauty of it, right? Because I'm in the Bay Area where everybody is a tech person and I'm starting to meet people who are countries away from me dealing with completely different things. I have to pick up on emotional intelligence, knowing how to read the room, knowing how to understand people that I would never meet and just, you know, empathizing with, with them. So I'd say my... My networking has deliberately been to go outside my comfort zone. And uh, the main thing I'm focusing on right now is just understanding how to use what I know, which is tech, to approach different people's problems outside of my space. There's more than enough people in the Bay Area building cool tech stuff. Um, So I'm mostly networking with people that are not in tech to see what they have, you know, what's going on in their world, how I can help. I'm building a prop tech tool for someone trying to optimize uh, a way to do property deals, you know, just people that are not in my space. So that's been amazing. Uh, the relationship side, <laughs> that's something that I pumped the brakes on on Clubhouse on purpose because it just seems like personally, you know, I met a few people, right? You slide in DMs, it seems cool, but it just seemed like um, it was easier to stay focused, being optimizing for one direction because when you <laughs> when you you and the person you're talking to are both on Clubhouse, Sometimes you want to be on Clubhouse alone, but they're in the room and you can't say certain things. So I definitely stayed away from that. But outside of that, there's a lot of personal growth, professional growth. Um, it's just getting harder and harder to meet people I vibe with every day because it's getting noisier. And once Android drops to respond to the earlier Android thing, for those who don't know, it's extremely easy to like spin up fake Android devices. If you think we have a bot problem now, wait till Android drops. Like it's so easy to reverse engineer Android and just go wild and just do all kinds of crazy things. So when Android drops, the noise level is going to get even higher where it's going to be more difficult to find what you want. So I think now is kind of a golden period-ish where you can do all of that. So I'm trying to leverage that before it gets noisy. The third part is, unfortunately, a lot of people with Androids are in a different socioeconomical bracket, right? So we are the ones who get to shape the ecosystem right? 
we're the fortunate ones to get to shape the ecosystem of Clubhouse. So it's up to us to use that well, because when Android comes on board, we can either have set a good stage or set a different stage. And at that point, we have to choose which direction we want to go. So interesting. You really bring the value, Addy. So many interesting points there. Thank you so much. Guys, we're going to open it up to the Q&A portion of today. So if you have a question, raise your hand, drop your question in your bio at the top. And we have Trish, you are our first question of the night. How can we help you? What is your question? Hi, Hala. So um, I'm Trish Ewell. I'm in Chicago. Quick shout out to Steve Ulsher and to say, don't be discouraged. Sometimes when you do a tweet up and the only person that shows up is the coolest dude in the room. So my question tonight, and thanks for this opportunity, is chatbot interactions. As far as uh, people using call to actions and directing people to their profiles and perhaps offering something, a resource or a tool to help people out, is anybody using a chatbot in order to be able to continue the conversation off platform and to extend the interactions with the people that want to go further and check you out more? Um, I will tell you, I know uh, people are currently investigating it. And oh, when I speak, I'm speaking because I'm involved. There's a lot of third-party tools and third-party engineering activities going on off of Clubhouse with people all trying to innovate. So yes, this is a topic that has been brought up. Do I know anyone that has done it successfully? Not as seamlessly as people want it. Yes, there are ways, but it's still kind of clunky. And and usually the people you're trying to get off the platform just end up not using it because like anyone here that has tried to make a clean funnel off of Clubhouse knows that it can be tricky to get right. But yes, there are people working on it, but I haven't seen any smooth uh, execution yet. I expect to see it soon though, just because, you know, there's a lot of engineers working on this stuff. Yeah, I'd like to uh, just add an idea, Trish. Um, I, I kind of cringe a bit when I go to message someone and, and their chatbot comes up. I have an agency, so I, I'm all about personal touch. I find that's important. It's so ironic when people say how valuable their customers are to them. And then the second you go over to their DM, it's a chatbot. And, and I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm alone in this idea, but I, I just don't like talking to robots. I prefer talking to humans. And if people want to buy your service, I think what you could do is even hire a VA to be running your Instagram account for you. I know a lot of my uh, friends with millions of followers will just have a couple of VAs in there just dealing with people. And, uh, you know, it's more of a human experience. In the end, the VAs know what to write and you're giving them some scripts, but at least people are getting that human element and you're coming up with the scripts. So it's actually coming from you. I think it's just an extra couple dollars to be hiring VAs, uh, and but I think it just adds a lot of value. I was going to say, wait till you see the stuff that's... Was it 3PT, uh, Ade? What is it called? Pretty much, you know, the bots are getting good. And so just you wait till that becomes like in production. Oh, you for mean GPT-3? GPT-3. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think... Yes. It, I mean, you don't even need GPT-3, honestly. You can... You can... Okay. Here's a simple thing people are doing, right? So usually in your room, you have some prompts, right? Like, let's say this room, we're talking about the rise of Clubhouse and so on and so forth, right? What some people are doing is they're, not to get into the tech, but they're creating a conversational graph of whatever it is that's being discussed. And when you go to the IG profile or whatever, right? Most people have similar questions, more similar than than they expect. Honestly, people are more similar than, than they know. And usually their questions are constrained to certain buckets, right? So what you do is have a predefined set of things like, oh, welcome to my inbox. Did you want to talk about, you know, 
this or this or this or this because those are the things that were touched on in the room, right? So even though it's artificial, it's a cleaner way of getting people through. So it's not just like, oh, I'm a chatbot and then you don't know where to go. So there are hacks here and there, but GPT-3 is still too heavyweight to be deployed and it's very expensive. So don't push your, don't hold your breath. And as a warning to <laughs> folks that think that bots are the right way to go, uh, whether they're chat bots that are integrated to your messengers or bots that are trying to grow your audiences, as you know, we, the people that create these algorithms, look for anomalies. Those anomalies, as good as any chatbot can be, are actually quite easy to spot. It's a game of whack-a-mole, no doubt, meaning you can keep sort of trying to stay ahead of it. But my suggestion is don't do it. It's a really, 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 really bad idea for across the board. One, sort of having your profile be sort of shadow banned. You might think that you're still relevant, but you're not. Uh, which is sort of the the preferred method of dealing with people, not to actually ban them, just to make them irrelevant algorithmically. Or it's for the thing that I forget who was speaking about this, I apologize, but whoever it was, gentleman that that said that he felt that as soon as you see you sort of interact with a chatbot by sending a message to somebody, it completely turns you off. I've got sort of reams and reams of of data that we saw during my years at MySpace and Google of what happens when people feel that sort of weird, uncanny valley. Am I speaking to a human or am I speaking to a bot? It's a bad idea. It's always been a bad idea. I encourage all of you not to do it. Yeah. I mean, bots are becoming more and more commonplace. Even when I was booking for this event, guys, because I was reaching out to Clubhouse influencers, it was so hard to get in contact with any of the influencers because it was just a chat bot and it just kept putting me in circles. And I was like, no, I have a real opportunity. I don't want to buy anything. I don't want to buy your course. I want to talk to you guys, you know? So it was very difficult to actually get in contact with anyone for this event because of the chat bot. So really great question, Trish. Did we help answer your question tonight? Yes. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, we're going to kick it off to the last question and we have Harry. How can we help you? Hi, Hala. Um, hi, everyone. Um, this is Harry. I'm calling from uh, Los Angeles. Uh, first of all, I must say this room is the reason why I spend more than 50 hours a week on Clubhouse. I just cancel uh, many, uh, well, I don't follow many of my previous followers because I hit the limit and I follow every month here. So my question is, um, well, okay, first of all, I, I really want to use Clubhouse as a connection between uh, Eastern and Western cultures. So I can bring so many amazing people that I met uh, on Clubhouse to um, the people who don't speak English, um, uh, speaks Mandarin, and um, I'll translate to them. So my question is, um, how can I do this life experience to translate and yet not slowing down the pace. Meaning um, if I have a room uh, with uh, English speaking guests, I need to interview and then translate. But any tips that you can share with me in a bilingual room? Thank you so much. So Harry, um, I was actually in a room, I actually talked about this earlier today. I was in a Farsi and English room. 
And there was like 2000 people in there. And it was one of the funniest things to like uh, the, the clash of, I mean, maybe not clash of cultures, but the, the, the two different sides of cultures, right? They are interviewing a white guy and then, you know, they're making fun of them. They're like, all right, cool. So we need to get a green card. So how do we, how do we get that over? And then they're just conversing back and forth. And, you know, I felt like, you know, they had a translator there and it got people really, really engaged because, you know, now you have one mic. And you have these things, you know, that might not work for every kind of thing that you may be trying to do, but I've definitely seen it work in a sense where like it gets people to start really listening. And the people that know both languages are definitely getting a hoot out of it because they're like, that's not what they said. And I thought it was really funny. But if you're going for more educational content, yeah, you're going to have to figure that out. It's like really just put it down in a piece of paper and really just like start putting it out there. Like how do people do multi-language events in person, right? It's like they usually have somebody off on the side, like translating or even doing sign language. But um, yeah, I've definitely seen it happen. I've definitely seen it work. What I would do is like continue to find those bilingual rooms and see what other people are doing. And that's with anything in Clubhouse. It's like how like when I when I first jumped on this app, you know, I saw Ade, I saw Nettie, and really it was just like I looked at their rooms and I just studied them because like why reinvent the wheel when somebody's been on this app longer than I have? So uh, that's my advice. My name is Christian. I'm done speaking. I do want to point out one thing real quick. I think it was Harry that asked that question. I love I love what you're doing. I love what you want to do. I'm just by the way, I'm saying this to balance the conversation. I try to keep things in the middle because. Um, I've been on this app, even though it seems like forever, long enough to see certain things and certain evolutions of certain people, right? So keep in mind, when you start blending languages and cultures, this app has its downsides in many cases. There's people get offended sometimes, certain things happen. So just make sure to control your room, okay? Make sure it doesn't go out of hand. There's been people getting canceled here because, you know, people thought it was cultural appropriation, right? You know, like you have maybe some guy who's not from the country speaking the language and Clubhouse is so volatile that within 10 minutes, someone has made another room talking about your room. Like, you know, why is there a white guy speaking, you know, Mandarin? And then people take it out. You understand? So these things happen on Clubhouse where people who have no business being there or who have no idea what's going on will label something as cultural appropriation or whatever right just because it's ephemeral right if someone comes in halfway they didn't hear you reset the room they have no idea what's going on their interpretation moving forward is completely different from what you intended so a lot of things have happened on this app that just you know once they like to fuse it's gone so I, I still think it's a good idea but just making sure you're very intentional about setting the tone of the room what it's there for and what people should expect this is Nidhi speaking. I'll just add that if you go to see some of the welcome rooms that Paul and Rohan are doing right now, um, that what you'll see is that they actually have some that are in Italian. And that's a great model for how you may be able to navigate these bilingual conversations. Because I think it is a little tricky, but they're finding a way to be able to have live translation so that there isn't um, a disconnect between the message that's being shared on the stage and what's being received by the audience and other people who are speaking. So I highly recommend checking out some of those welcome rooms that are in Italian. And I know that they're going to be expanding that to other languages um, as they get more translators on board and are able to do so. So that might be a great place to start uh, to be able to see how the creators of the app are navigating the bilingual sphere. Just a quick thing to add to you. There is a, a number of third-party things you can use, just like Water AI, of course, you know, not sponsoring what I'm saying, but 
there are third-party transcription services. So if you are looking to effectively translate things into other languages, uh, essentially a no-brainer in terms of of uh, kind of like that post-processing. Uh, of course, it is a bit harder to have that language live translated unless you do have um, someone who can translate it for you. But it is always an option that you could explore on the platform. This is Samuel and I'm done Wow. So Harry, I think you got some amazing advice for your bilingual room. Do you feel more ready to throw these awesome rooms now? <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I'm just going to keep trying, but uh, thanks for um, every advice. Thank you. Amazing. Thanks so much, Harry. Okay, guys. So this concludes part one of our two-part episode on Young and Profiting Podcast. I want to say a huge thanks to Suhaib for allowing us to host this event in the Human Behavior Club. I also want to thank all of my moderators here on stage, Michael, Caroline, Suhaib, Mario, Elizabeth, Tanner, Paulina, Christian, Dimitri, Adi, Michael, Nihidi, Samuel, and Fanzo. A lot of new friends that I haven't even met before, but everybody is an expert in their own right. And I'm really, really thankful for everybody joining the stage today. This is Hala and everybody on stage signing off, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Take care. Thank you. Peace out. Have a good night. Peace.